Welcome to the Payments Podium Podcast, hosted by the payments professor himself, Kevin Olson. This podcast discusses the past, present, and the possibilities of the payments industry. Here's the show. Hey, everybody. Payments professor here, and I want to welcome you to the Payments Podium. And on the Payments Podium, as you know, we talk about the past, the present, and the possibilities of things that are happening in payments. I got to tell you, I'm excited about today's session because I've got, well, I'm going to call somebody who's on the forefront of payments. Somebody who's a little bit younger than the professor, but well, then again, a lot of you out there are younger than the professor when it comes to processing of payments. And we're going to be talking about how somebody single-handedly decided to have an RTP project. (laughs) More details on that to come. I have Carlos with me from Digit. Carlos, welcome to the Payments Podium. Hey, great to be here. All right. Now, Carlos, like I've already let people know now they're out here listening to this as a podcast that you're a little bit younger than a lot of the people that, you know, are friends of mine in the industry, but I want to welcome you as a friend and welcome you to the payments podium. Can we get a little bit of background about how you ended up in payments? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, So as we mentioned before, my name is Carlos Tracker. I'm a software engineer uh, at Digit. Digit is a fintech startup out here in San Francisco uh, whose mission is to make financial health effortless for everybody. Uh, Digit essentially started off with a automatic savings product where we um, we move money automatically into a savings account for people every single day. Uh, how I ended up here is um, I was looking for a job in San Francisco out at a consumer startup and was sort of fresh out of college, had fresh eyes, really excited to get to work on something that was making a difference in the world. Uh, and so I landed at Digit about three years ago. Uh, I was working on kind of general projects that we had out, uh, various Uh, chatbot features that we had, some things to do with uh, referral bonuses and things. And then I got the opportunity about a year and a half ago to launch a new project for us, which was trying to find a way to pay out our users faster. Um, People were frustrated with our app that they couldn't get their money out in the same day as they were clicking on it. They had to wait a two day ACH delay. Uh, And so we were exploring some options for paying out users uh, quickly in real time. And at the time, uh, I do want to make sure you didn't go purposely to get in payments. And and I say that as a joke, because as you're around the payments industry for a a while, you'll find that there's not many of us who said, I want to get into payments. It's almost like it called us out of nowhere. Yeah, sure. I can, I can, uh, I can do it. I can wind up a little bit and do something more towards that. No, 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 keep going. You're fine. That's what I'm asking is that's how it was for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really, um, yeah, I didn't really intend to get into payments at all. It was uh, an opportunity that presented itself to me that that I tried to grab by the horns um, in a lot of ways. We had this uh, we had this niche where I was working on, you know, like for the front end of apps and like buttons and, and layouts and things, and I just wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and at the same time, I really wanted to be involved with something that was making a difference in people's lives and payments was a great middle ground for me because you get to be involved with actually, you know, the way that somebody lives their life and, and um, how they go about living their day. But I don't have to be dealing with font faces and colors and, and layouts and designs all that often. Uh, I, I understand. Like I've, I've got a guy who does all that yeah. for me and he does a great <laughs> job. I can't do it. But okay, I like the joke that too. we have two, we have two customers. We have the person's eyes and we have their wallet. 
And so some people work on the eyeballs and I work on the wallet. <laughs> you work on the wallet. I like that one. That's a great one. You work with the money. Now, normally we don't advertise too much on the payments professor, but we've got to understand a little bit more about digit because it's going to be so key and critical in your story. And what you said was, if, if I'm right, and from what I've been investigating, Digit is an app that's out there, and it looks like it's targeted to you know a younger generation too, to help them to be able to save money on a consistent, even daily basis. Is that right? Yeah. So Digit, the main um, problem that we were trying to address, and the main uh, insight that we had was we were looking at uh, at the sort of financial landscape. Our our, our founder Ethan. Um, is really, really dedicated to trying to make financial health effortless for people. And the problem that he was noticing that is backed up by a lot of data from the government and everybody else is that the vast majority of Americans really don't have any savings. Um, you know, 45% of Americans could not make a surprise $500 charge if it came up. Um, they would have to borrow against it. Uh, and so, and we've also, that's been backed up by other research that says, you know, a person making the same income with no savings is in a far worse position than a person making the same amount of income with 200 bucks in the bank. Uh, that's a completely different landscape to be looking at in life. And so what we realized is that saving for people is really hard. You have to build habits. You have to mm -hmm. make a plan. You have to be checking in on yourself. But for a computer to do it, it's really easy. You can just look at your finances. It can add things up and it can tally things away. Uh, and so what Digit does is it's an app that you sign up for. You link your bank account. And that gives us a stream of data about your financial life that we can then process and update and figure out how much money do you need? How much money do you don't need? Do you have bills coming up? Do you have income coming up? And then every single day, what we do is we try to move just a small amount of money out of your checking account into a savings account that we manage for you. They, uh, and just building that habit for you of just putting money aside over time. Okay. And now you just mentioned moving money right there. Now that moving money out and into the savings account, how's that being done? Is that being done via real-time payments? Is that being done via an ACH debit? Uh, that's what being kind done of transfers via, taking place uh, there? Yeah. So that's being done via an ACH debit. Uh, essentially okay. every day in the morning, we'll submit a big ACH file that just moves sensor dollars out of all of our customers' accounts. Okay. Now, the, the issue you said, though, and what I really want to get into, because I, I, I thank you for supporting the ACH network. It, it's helped put uh, my children through college. The thing <laughs> I, I want to get through it, it was, though, the real-time payments, because you also told me that in working with this app, the problem came is you, you mentioned that $500 that people suddenly need to come up with sometimes. And if they need to come up with it, they need it now. And you, was I correct that the issue you found was when it came to getting people access to their savings, putting that, let's say, virtual cash in hand, you couldn't do it fast enough. Is that correct? Yeah. So what we found is, so what we used to do is, was uh, whenever you wanted to take money out of your savings account, uh, you just go into our app, you press withdraw, and then at our next available opportunity, we send you an ACH credit for the money back. Uh, and, you know, if it was... After 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon, uh, that might be tough news for you, and you might be waiting till Tuesday to actually get your money back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you would have to wait the two days for that to be pending to actually head back to your bank account. And what we found was that this really didn't help us out, and didn't help us help our users out either, uh, because if we we're positioning ourselves as your emergency fund, as cash that you need in an emergency, and you know we're, we're siphoning it away from you every day, we're not really living up to that promise. If it takes you three days to get your money out. Um, you know, it feels inconvenient to have your money 
being saved for you and, and building savings because it's two days away from you whenever you actually need it the most. And so right. Digit was looking so, so for- So what, what made you go, I'm gonna find a faster, <laughs> better way to do this? It Was that it? Uh, yeah, that was largely, it. it was one of the number one complaints that we had, you know, if you looked at our app store page or anything, people uh-huh. were complaining because, uh, you know, the average person, the average user on our app doesn't, uh, yeah, you could tell them about ACH windows and days of delay and things, but doesn't mean they like it. <laughs> okay. Right. No amount of explaining Here's my it. Next thing. When, whenever I want an answer to something, I Google it. I have people think I'm really smart. And the truth is I just know how to use Google. And Google gives me so many answers. So when you got to this point where you're like, I need a faster solution. And, and, and I believe you said you did this on your own. You were a one man, <laughs> you know, shop department. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't just me. But, it wasn't uh, just you. It was, it was, okay. um, yeah, How did there, you there find were... a faster solution though? I mean, what, where did you start your search? Uh, yeah, so we were looking around at different options that we'd seen and other kind of FinTech apps uh, out there. Um, you know, and the, the biggest one that kept, we kept seeing, we kept coming up was uh, that people like Venmo had uh, went through was this sort of push to card process where you would also look hit, look. Uh, sorry, excuse me. You would also link up a debit card of some kind, and we'd be able to sort of push money to that within maybe thirty minutes or so. And there'd be like percentage fees and things. And we were looking at that option, and we were looking at like what it would mean to actually uh, integrate with that as an organization because it meant that we had to start collecting debit card numbers which opens a whole can of worms and meant that we had to you know, build this new technology to do it, new screens to actually get credit card numbers and things. And it just seemed like a lot of work, especially for a small team. We were only about 35 people at the time. And we had started to hear about this other option uh, from our banking partners. Um, there was this new payment network coming out that year in 2019. Was RTP was going to be fresh on the market. Uh, and it was becoming through an API integration from Jake Morgan Chase. And uh, it was completely unproven, but it looked a lot easier to get up and running with and a lot and a, like, a, like a much better experience, essentially, for people. Uh, and so that was the point where I got added to this project. And they basically said, Carlos, you know, figure this out. <laughs> See if you can get this integrated with them. You know, Chase is willing to give us a... a uh, an exploration time on this essentially some time to get it working uh-huh. and uh, see what you can get done. And so that's when I was uh, kind of put on that project and a little bit of a back office project to sort of see what we could do with that. All right. So, so I, I know you had people helping you, but you know, it still sounds like here you are, boom, here's a new project. It's a whole new yeah. payment channel. Now for a dinosaur like me, I get excited about real time <laughs> payments because I've watched other payment channels and how they've grown. And I remember when this thing called remote deposit capture came about and we could take pictures of checks, revolutionized everything. And this is going back to 2004, okay? So now here we are and here's real-time payments. And one of the things you said that I hooked on was it was unproven, but it looked a lot easier than everything else. And that was enough for you to say, let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's look at it a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. We just started our exploration of it. Um, we had nothing to lose, essentially. <laughs> uh, and you know, the the biggest things for us is that well, we didn't need we didn't need to get some other kind of side channel to your banking world. Like we had this first party access to your bank account. Now, we didn't need to go get a card number for you and hope that it hooked up correctly. We could just take your uh, your existing account and routing number that we already had on file, and your name that we already had on file, and your AC, ACH agreement that we already had on file and just upgrade that to be faster. Um, 
And that looked really tempting to us. And that looked really easy um, from just an operational perspective. All right. Uh, wow. Yeah, I didn't realize you, you, you just pointed out the, the, I would say the golden goose and made this what happened is you already had an agreement. You already had the information. Now you're just taking it through a different channel to be able to move it faster. And that's the payout, correct? Yep, exactly. Uh, and there's a lot of other, you know, details and things we had to work through there in terms of, you know, instead of submitting it in a batch all at once, uh, you know, uploaded in a file, we're sending it as a message whenever you want. Um, there was a little bit of, you know, growing pains we had to go through there just in terms of getting our own systems to play nice with a bank that, that wasn't working the same way it used to. Uh -huh. uh, and we had a lot of like learnings when it came to integrating with new payment network. Um, but it, it overall, that was sort of, uh, the experience we were able to deliver after about six months of me poking away at things and exploring and integrating um, was now you can essentially pick, do I want normal speed, one to three days, or do I want instant for an upgraded fee and we'll have it to you within some minutes, essentially. Okay, you have no idea how much stuff you just said right there that has got... <laughs> People throughout the industry going, tell me more. Because first of all, <laughs> I, I, I caught that you're going to pay more for the instant. And I think you should. I really do. Because I believe that's an enhanced service benefit and feature. I think it just needs to be a reasonable price. But I want to go back. You said a lot of things there. And a couple of things you said was, first of all, you're going to charge more for the instant versus the next, the other day, which I get because that's an enhanced service or feature or functionality. But you also talked about single versus batch and that switch. Now, Carlos, I don't know if you realize, but that's a huge issue for a lot of businesses is they are, they've been processing in batch mode well forever. And now to go to this single 24-7, 365 environment, this is where a lot of my cash management, treasury management friends in the industry are saying, we can't do this. How did you go about that? What was it you looked at that said, we're not going to do this in batch or this is the issue with batch. Here's the solution for going to single. Was there anything that you can enlighten us on that you did that helped? Um, I mean, I think from our perspective as more of a consumer of a payment system, it was a little bit easier. Uh, we already had the opportunity to say, Oh, you know, when someone is tapping on something, we're going to do something in the background. And it was almost easier, frankly, for us to say, all right, well now, instead of, keeping track of everything that we need to be doing up in the upcoming batch. And, you know, when someone taps something out on the app, we need to schedule something four hours in advance and, and make sure that it includes everything and make sure that we know if it doesn't and make sure that we pick up an act file an hour later and all that stuff. We could just sort of simplify things and say, all right, we'll do it now. Um, do it for that person, do it now. Uh, and that was actually a lot simpler from a kind of systems perspective. But I think where you run into issues is uh, in meeting expectations for somebody. Um, when you have a batch process, you have a lot of leeway, actually, when it comes to meeting your kind of SLAs and SLOs and, and trying to get the timing windows correct. Uh -huh. You might have a, a four-hour gap or something that you can actually uh, work within. But when it comes to actually, if you're promising something to be instant or within minutes, someone's really going to expect it within minutes. Right. And if they don't see it within four or five minutes, they're going to open a support complaint and they're going to they're gonna call you and they're going to get upset. Uh and rightly so, right? And so that's right. that's more along the lines of what we uh, what we discovered is that it might be simpler to kind of get into this upfront, but you need to hold yourself to a much higher standard of reliability. Essentially, you can let fewer things fall through the cracks uh, just because you don't have as much 
time to work with. Okay, wow, that's a lot. So the benefit is, and one of the things that you kind of my eyeballs opened up a little bit is you said, there actually are benefits to doing it right away because you don't have to wait till the end of the day. You don't have to wait to make sure and hope everything's in there. You don't have to do, you know, all the additional checks that are there. But on the flip side, in doing it in the faster environment, there's still got to be some checks. I, I mean, I know you're still doing some security checks, things like that. I don't want anybody listening to think that's not happening. I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> but that if it doesn't process fast enough, people are saying like, where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? Right. And, and, and the funny thing is you're saying four minutes later and I can get that. <laughs> Whereas if you yeah. told me four <laughs> minutes later, they're complaining about their money 10 years ago, I just say call back in two days if it doesn't show up. Yeah. So. And really, and really four minutes is, is ages, right? Uh, I mean, what I've noticed at least so far, just at payments going through the network is they tend to take about like six and a half or seven seconds to actually settle. Once you get them onto the network, it's pretty fast. Uh, it's, and so that four minutes is almost all like time that we bought ourselves to just get it to the network. Uh, it's, it's just leeway for us to say, all right, like, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to package this up. We're going to make sure it gets hits all the databases and everything. And then we're going to send it to the R2B network. Um, so four minutes is even slow. <laughs> for yeah, us. It really is. All right. What would you tell somebody who's looking at going to real time payments that, you know, maybe this was the biggest headache or surprise that we just didn't see coming? You know, what, what, what were, you know, maybe those surprises or what were those hurdles that as you're going down the road, you went, oh, wow, didn't see that one coming. We had to adjust for it. Um, I think the biggest things that we've had to adjust to have to do with changing our thinking from like an ACH world to an RTP world, uh, where we no longer really have to think about returns. You don't have to think about returns coming in four weeks after the fact because these things are final as soon as they go through seven seconds later. But on the other hand, that does mean that you have these other weird situations where this might be the only system in a particular bank that is real time, that is running in real time. So we've run into situations where, you know, somebody went up to their bank at 945 in the morning and they said, I'd like to close my checking account. And they, you know, walked away, they finished doing that. And then 11 AM, they took RTP out from our app and it succeeded <laughs> and it settled and it was final. So now I don't know what to do. Uh, and you run into situations like that where now you need to find out what to do with this. Is the bank going to send you back the money? Are you going to get involved with them? Um, things like that. Uh, but overall, it's been, it's been uh, I, I guess, a lot simpler to think about it with that in mind. You don't need to worry about returns. Um, but you do need to worry about what happens if it's final. You know, how do you limit that within your own world that you're working with? Oh, that's a big one too. What happens if it's final and it did go to the wrong place? That's one of the biggest worries and concerns. I know that a lot of people out in the world are saying, but it's, and, and the, the kickback to that is, is, well, it could happen in ACH too. The catch being ACH has got more controls and mechanisms in place to be able to do returns and stuff. But even let's say the ACH reversal process is not a guarantee. So it's not a guarantee you'll get your money back. I like that. Were there yeah. any other things? I, that I would say, there? Go ahead. Yeah, I would say the other big adjustment has been just in how uh, we kind of deal with the the network. Uh, if you think about like the the total number of seconds or minutes that I'm, that we're actually interacting with the ACH network in a given day, it would be probably only I don't know ten to twenty seconds that I actually spend talking to the bank or talking to ACH as a system. Right, I'm uploading that file, downloading a file, uh, and so it could be down 
95% of the time, the rest of the time, and I would never know. Uh, but when you're talking about a message-based processing and you're talking about 24-7, suddenly the bar is a lot higher for the bank too. And you need to keep track of, well, oh, this bank's going to go down for an hour and then we're going to retry. We need to communicate out that out to the person actually using RTP, um, things like that. That's been a big struggle for us too in terms of moving from batch to message-based is if the thing fails, you find out immediately we had nothing built to show you that it failed immediately. We only had stuff built to show you that it failed three days from now. Uh, that was super hard to like get hooked up and actually communicate up with everything else. Okay, I gotta tell you, as somebody who's been studying this stuff and studying other countries, and, and I've worked in ACH in the software side when the ACH system was down. In fact, you know, about 20 years ago, I was in a support department. And do you know what happens in the support department when the system goes down? The phone doesn't I'm, stop ringing. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been on this one calls too. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. And, and for you to sit there and say, yeah. well, with ACH, if it's up just the 2% that I need it to upload my file, everything's fine. Versus you flip it in RTP, if it's down just the 2% when you need it, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting flip. is that the RTP network has a maintenance window that's set up for... I think it's um, it's like two to six a.m. on Sunday, mm -hmm. um, which sounded totally reasonable to me when I first read about it. And then what I've seen in practice is that we've got hundreds of people trying to get their money out during that time, uh, that four-hour window, which of course they would. There's no there's no way else for them to get money during that time window. It makes perfect sense if you think about it after the fact, right? Uh, if you're sitting there on Sunday and it's three a.m. and you need some money, like. And this is your only option. You, the only other options that you have are ACH is going to take two days. And this one's telling you it's up front. Uh, you know, it's right now. It's real time. So I think that's been really interesting to learn, too, is that to rethink when we think of our safe times for maintenance windows and things, just because there isn't another real-time payment landscape for people to jump to. Well, let me throw in banker thinking right there. Because, you know, uh, there's this thing, like when I got in the banking industry, I, I believed in this thing called banking hours. And that's why I wanted to do it. Banking hours, you know, historically meant banks are open from like nine to four, nine to five, never work holidays, never work weekends. It just didn't happen. In fact, in our rules and regulations, weekends and holidays don't even exist. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, at least with the way that everything's programmed. And for you to sit here and say, well, that's when they adjust the maintenance windows. That's what I would have done too. If I would have been in charge yep. of a team or something like that, I would have too, because I'd have said, well, let's do it when nobody's going to use it. But you gave good reason for why they would, because it's the only thing that is available, because everything else banking-wise is closed down. Yeah, exactly. It made perfect sense as soon as I saw it. As soon as I got, as soon as I got woken up at 4 a.m., I knew exactly what had happened. <laughs> you got, so you got woken up at 4 a.m. because you didn't get their money? Yeah, well, at first I didn't know what to do. We were in a panic. We were like 100 people just trying to get their money out, and they all got an error, and they're, they're upset, you know. Uh, but we've we've learned to work with it since then. That is phenomenal. Okay, um, you're educating the payments professor today as well as all of our listeners. <laughs> There's no doubt about it, all right? The podium is yours. Uh, as, as we're getting down here, though, towards, you know, more towards the end, I, a couple things I want to ask, and, and one of them is, where do you think this is going to go? Not just with you and Digit and your capabilities, but where do you think real-time payments is going to go? What do you think it will be like in a year, five years? What will the uses be like? Will, will people be finding more uses? Will it become the norm? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? 
So I guess in my opinion, I feel like uh, RTP is a huge step for people being able to treat their bank account like cash. Uh, and I think that this is something that people already do at this point. And this is one of the key insights that makes our app actually work is the idea that your checking account balance is some approximation of the cash you have in your pocket. That's how you treat it. And that's how you think about it. Uh, and I think that RTP was one step for us in actually making that, making the banking world match someone's expectations in terms of how they deal with their cash in terms of electronic payments. And I, where I see it going is with other systems like requests for payment coming online and more places starting to support RTP, more people start to use their bank account like cash and they can send each other money using their banking app and they can pay for things instantly using their checking account and things like that. That's where I see it going. So if you, if it were available in other apps and other areas more prevalently than what it currently is, you would use it? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately I'm a, I'm a, a credit union user myself, so I've, I've yet to actually get an RTP. <laughs> well, well, the credit unions the out there appreciate the plug. <laughs> and, and, and I like that you said you've yet to get it because I do believe that it is something that's come in my personal opinion, RTP faster payments are going to take over. Um, and it's just a matter of time because of the convenience and because of the speed they, uh, and usage. All right. Is there anything else though? You know, here we go. Let's get down to your closing remarks. What would you tell somebody who's looking at now they're about to go start their own RTP project, which a lot of companies are a lot of businesses, a lot of banks. They're going to be looking at people like you said, Hey, you've already been there. You've done this. It's working great for you. Where do I start? What should I do? Yeah. So I would say, I mean, the first thing to do is, Talk to your banking partners, find one that supports it if uh, yours doesn't already and uh, dive right in. I would think, I would say once you start exploring the possibilities and how it would actually work, a lot of your worries kind of melt away in things. It really ended up being a lot less complicated than it seemed on, on the service uh, for us. And I, I hope that would end up being true for most people who, who approach it in the future too. All right. There are only good things to be gained. Thank you enough. Right, what was that? I was just saying there are only good things to be gained by changing your thinking to real time. Whoa, that might be the quote of the day. <laughs> there are only good things to be gained by changing your thinking to real time. Folks, if you didn't catch on to that one, I hope you did. I'm the payments professor, Kevin Olson. I got to say, Carlos, thank you so much for being here on the payments podium. You've given us so much. I mean, what you experienced as far as switching from batch to single payments. What happens if you know your batch system's down 2% of the time versus if your RTP system's down 2% of the time? Whole different world. The concept too of, it's just like digital cash. RTP works in the same thing as digital cash and it's a lot less complicated than it seems, but finally, only good things to come with RTP. Anybody out there, if you've got somebody that you would like to have on the payments podium, you can always email me, Kevin, at paymentsprofessor.com. Uh, look forward to having additional people on here. If there's a topic you'd like to have addressed, also send me an email, shoot me an email. I am Kevin Olson, the Payments Professor, and I got to say, class dismissed. Thank you for listening to the Payments Podium Podcast. Check back every Thursday for a conversation with the Payments Professor. This podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Olson and edited by Sam Sue Smith. See you on Thursday.